Hello everyone, Dan here with a little bit of a surprise gift for you all to enjoy over the holiday period. Long-time listeners of the show know that back in summer of this year, I recorded a six-part mini-series titled Right and Wrongs with my buddy and best-selling author John L. Monk. Since we're heading into the holiday spirit, we figured now would be a good time to share this extra bonus series with you, usually reserved for our Patreon supporters over at www.patreon.com forward slash greatwritersshare, so you can head on into 2021 having learned from some of the biggest mistakes that we've made along a combined 10 years of our author journeys. Enjoy the series. We hope you find it useful. They could be watched in any order, so find the ones that apply most to you. Have an amazing holiday break, and we will see you very soon. What's the one thing that all great writers have in common? They all learn from their mistakes. Whether you're full-time, part-time, or just starting out, this Great Writers Learn miniseries will give you a behind-the-curtains look at two independent authors and the struggles they've faced along the way. You can shortcut the success of your career by learning from their blunders. Welcome to Great Writers Learn with your hosts, best-selling authors Daniel Wilcox and John L. Monk. Hello and welcome to Rights and Wrongs, a great Writers Learn mini-series in which we explore the behind the scenes of author craft, take a retrospective look at some of the biggest mistakes that we've made, and share fundamental lessons learned so that you can learn from our errors and accelerate your author career. My name's Daniel Wilcox and with me every single week is the psychedelic John L. Monk. Hey John. Hey, what's going on man? I'm, I'm doing well. How are you liking these adjectives for yourself? <laughs> I'm digging them. It's, uh, you're adding to my brand. <laughs> A nice pull on the topic there. Um, today we're going to be exploring the topic of author brand, sharing some of our own personal biggest mistakes and errors that we've learned to avoid by watching others. So John, tell us, what is author brand? Oh, I'll just tell you everything it is, right? Uh, actually, uh, author branding is a lot more than most people think it is. Uh, most people consider it to be like logos or the colors that a, you know a business uses or something like that. Um, and those definitely are branding, but uh, what they might not realize is branding is also sort of like the personality that you exhibit to the world. So that when people, people think of you, they, they get this idea in their head about what you are, uh, irrespective of the colors and the, the icons and all that other stuff. Um, I looked it up. There's, there are 12 brand archetypes. Uh, there's probably other lists out there, but this is the one that I kind of remember talking to my wife about who was in marketing for many, many years. There's the artist, the innocent, the sage, the explorer, the outlaw, the magician, the hero, the lover, the gesture, the everyman, the caregiver, the ruler. Um, all of these sort of tell people like what kind of, um, you know, who we're dealing with. So for example, Motley Fool, you know, I guess that would be the gesture, which, uh, you know, they come out and they break all the rules and they expose the, they expose the idiots for who they are, that kind of thing. Um, then there's people like maybe um, kind of Russell Blake. So he writes post-apocalyptic fiction and he comes off as kind of the outlaw. Um, or uh, there's, pre you know, sometimes people kind of hit a couple of different one's not just one thing so he'd be like the outlaw and the explorer but it definitely wouldn't be the innocent because um, he's sort of cantankerous and and uh, likes to get fights with people online <laughs> yeah and there's definitely uh, i think certain author brands can complement depending what genre you're in um, you can definitely embrace the author brand and almost create these personas 
in which you magnify what your genre is and try and reach out to the readers that you're trying to connect with. I know particularly for, for my genre horror, if you look at a lot of horror writers' profile pages on Amazon or if you go to their websites, they will often portray themselves in black and white, quite gritty images and try and almost almost horror and dark themselves as if they've been pulled straight out of a 1600s, just miserable scenario. Um, and that, that can play to your advantage as well. I think particularly romance uh, authors as well, they tend to have quite nice images in front of trees and, and lovely things. Um, so your author brand can reflect the genre that you're in just to try and pull in the reader and make them connect with you on a, on a deeper sort of emotional level. That's right. Um, I, for one, I used to uh, kind of work on an author brand. I was going to be the writer, but then I realized that the only thing the writer was going to appeal to was other writers. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you're an author, unless you're writing books for writers, you don't want to appeal necessarily to other writers. Um, other mistakes I made, I think were, you know, like maybe there was a period where I was getting a little bit more political online than I should have. Um, I don't like that in other people and nobody cares about what I think. If they want to see what I think, they can just go look at a bumper sticker, yeah. you know, flip you a make, coin, be right. Yeah. No, you make a really good point there. I think particularly one of my biggest mistakes and something that um, I've spoken about recently on a, a couple of podcasts is that I, because I'm, I'm branching slightly into nonfiction and I've got a group of writer friends as well. And obviously I've got my great writer share podcast, which this brings from, so I've got an audience that is writers and then I've got an audience, which is horror readers. Um, and, what I've been working on particularly over the last few weeks slash months is really trying to divide the two and find a way in which I can create a platform in which if writers want to reach me, they know what they're getting on one side. But if my horror readers want to look for me, they're not seeing this guy holding up sort of how to improve your writing books and all this nice, lovely stuff, because that's not the person they want to read from as much as, as much as you could say, really what matters is the words in the books. When people are buying your product, they are also, I mean, you're, not everyone, but quite a lot of people do look into the authors and see what they're about. So if they complement the genre and really speak to the readers that you're trying to reach, that's the kind of connection you want to make to, to pull it in and start making sales. So I, I for one, particularly the last few months have, have been really, really critical of trying to make that clear and work my horror into a way in which I'm darker. Cause I'm a nice person. I think, I think we can both say that. So yeah. trying to turn myself into this horror freak is, is difficult, but I'm, I'm managing. <laughs> well, you know, just, uh, Keep your face the way it is and I'll be plenty scared. <laughs> You'll see me next time with spikes coming out everywhere and just makeup and... <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, one one extra thing as well is uh, when when I think of author brand, I think of um, it's, it's almost like carrying your reputation. So it's another one of those things that we spoke about before where it's, it's about trust and it's about giving people the right message of what they expect from you. And it's very, very easy to lose trust that you've gotten, but it's very very difficult to gain that trust so that people know what to expect from you in the first place. That's true. Um, there is a way to deal with it. And that is to actually don't worry about author branding. And in fact, have your only branding be the books that you write and don't expose your personality to anybody or anything about you. Um, I grew up reading books by people who I just knew I liked their books because I tried them out and I would look for them. Not because you know, like Dean Koontz, they always have a dog, uh, you know, in the photo or, you know, Stephen King always looked kind of creepy to me or, you know, there was no, um, there was none of the, that personal consideration. So you can kind of inoculate, inoculate yourself somewhat to branding as long as you don't, you know, you don't stick your head up too high and you just stick your, uh, you just do the books. Um, 
you know, a lot of people in, India, in the Indian community say that the best way to sell a book is to actually write the next book. And I, I firmly believe that. Um, you still have to do marketing and stuff like that, but you don't necessarily have to have a brand um, just because, uh, you know, somebody told you, okay, a checklist, boom, boom, boom. Oh, what's your brand? You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it definitely depends on what your reasons for writing are and what your why is. Um, I'll name drop uh, a guy called Craig Faulkner, who was on the show um, a few months ago, who he's an enigma online. When uh, I went before I interviewed him, I looked, I did my research. I tried to find anything about him, in which I could ask questions. And uh, aside from the books that he's selling online in which he's doing very, 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 very well, there's, there's hardly anything on him. There's no, there was a Facebook group and that was pretty much it. There wasn't like even the Amazon profile, there wasn't anything. There wasn't really a website, nothing. Um, so he's got no real presence beyond his books, but he's selling and he's doing fantastic. Whereas I think if you want to be a bit more of a personality outside of your books, I think it can help when it comes to mailing lists and creating that dialogue with readers. But, but like you say, you don't necessarily need it. It's just something to definitely be considerate of when you're, when you're making the decision of what you want to achieve. Sure. And that person you mentioned, um, unless he messes up, he's not going to piss off any, you know, polarizing groups out there, you know, animal lovers or vegans, you know, uh, conservatives or, liberals or you know he's gonna he's gonna sell to everybody um you know so that's that's kind of what i want to strive for myself and that's why you know I, I wasn't doing necessarily that before i was a bit more wild and crazy and i thought i was going to be the outlaw or something like that um it's so silly <laughs> <laughs> but i think I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how if someone was to say to you what is your author brand what would you say uh, well, you know, it's funny, um, as much as I just said, I want to kind of retreat into the, um, I guess, into the background, my author brand is definitely that of the fool. Um, I'm going to be releasing a, uh, I guess, a, a little booklet, maybe 30,000 words pretty soon with a lot of short stories and weird writings and strange poems that I wrote. All of them are very, very much kind of mocking and foolish. Um, Kick, uh, Fool's Ride. Fool's Ride is my second book. <laughs> you know, just walked right into that one. These are, these are stories with sort of absurd humor in them, in addition to compelling stories. So just from like the content that I write, um, and also just my Facebook presence, which, you know, I do kind of lock down a little bit more now because um, I do write some crazy shit, excuse me, on, uh, on Facebook. So I, I think it's The Fool. Um, it's just, it's not a fool with the big, like megaphone screaming it at everybody. You got to kind of look for me to find it. Absolutely. And I think one uh, very, very key thing to focus on, no matter how you look with your books or um, with, with your brand is, I think consistency helps a lot. Again, it comes back to how, what people expect from you. And a lot of people, while some people may want the the rogue who's in every single direction and you never know what to expect from in the wild card the outlaw. Um, I think one, one thing that I found with uh, launching sort of previous fiction podcasts and building the brand behind that and everything else is that consistency can really, really go a long way. If you've told people what to expect, then they'll keep coming back and keep coming back as long as you're delivering the thing that they expect. It's when you take these really crazy swings and roundabouts that I think you can easily lose people, not everyone, but you will, you will find it easier to build some kind of base if, you've, if you keep your message consistent and clear. Yeah, it's absolutely the case. I mean, look what happened to J.K. Rowling. 
She mm. came out and made a controversial topic and suddenly her Twitter feed is being absolutely destroyed with all these people who feel betrayed and, you know, say what you want about, you know, the, the actual topic. Um, you could say that she sort of portrayed herself as a brand one way and then later sort of went against that. Mm. So as I said, branding is really kind of a, a two-edged sword. If you go into it knowing what you want to do and you're really, really good at it and you do the, you do the mailing list, you do the Facebook pages, you get into the news the way you want to get into the news, if that's what you're going for, uh, your art design, your advertising, and all that other stuff just clicks, it, you know, like, a, like you're a businessman. And uh, that's a brilliant thing, and it can really do you some good. And what about when it comes to artwork and design, that side of things? For example, if you're looking at branding your series and branding your books in a particular way, do you have any sort of opinions on that? I do, but there's probably better people for that. Um, but for example, if you're a trad pub, you know, it makes sense. I'm sure you've seen it. They tend to, the biggest thing on their book covers is their name, right? Where if you're indie, you can kind of try to masquerade as a trad pub by having the biggest thing on the cover be your name. But you see a lot more large, uh, you know, the devil's dagger. Ooh, that's good. So you go with like the, the title of the book. Because no one's going to know who John L. Monk is, um, except for, you know, like people who can uh, have sort of experimented with indie books and, uh, you know, reader groups and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got the, the visual side. One, one thing that I, I particularly like is um, there's an author called Jonathan Jans. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to keep name dropping. He was also on the show. Check out that interview. <laughs> uh, but the reason that I like his, his work is that when you look at his hardbacks and even though they're all individual standalones, they're all very, very clearly branded in a particular way where you pick it up and you go, okay, that's a Jonathan Jans book, similarly to obviously Stephen King. Um, although for the purposes of most of these episodes, we'll stay away from him because he's often an exception. But the yeah. fact that visually you can pick up one of these books and go, okay, this is this person. Things are laid out in a particular way. Um, Ian Rob Wright is another person that does this really, really well where you've got uh, the name in the same place every book. You've got the title in a particular way, then the image behind it. And although each cover speaks for itself, there's definitely a, a similarity across them that makes you, it's, you can always turn it into like a collectible feature where fans can pick them up and go, okay, I need to get this particular set before they change the covers again. Because Dark Tower did that with my, with my books and that really annoyed me. <laughs> I've got three in one set and four in another. Yeah, I won't, I won't speak to any scientific knowledge, but I, I do think that, you know, that used to be more of a consideration before eBooks you know, where people were doing collections and they wanted all the covers to, to look a certain way. I mean, you could argue that maybe that's still going on. Um, so maybe it's a good, maybe it's a good argument for rebranding your, um, your eBooks, but maybe leaving your, your paperbacks alone so that people will buy the next one, you know, or keep up with the artist that maybe you've abandoned or whatever. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest question you've got to ask is, why are people coming to you for what you do? What, what is the message that you want to give off to readers, to anyone who's reading your work? If you are non-fic and you're reaching out to whoever's going to be buying your book, what is it that people are going to be seeing when they, they see your picture, they see your profile, they read your books? Um, I mean, it kind of goes back a little bit to our discussion on marketing, but everything ties, ties together and there is a bigger picture there. Um, and building those individual components, I think you just got to be very, very conscious that everything that, goes out has your particular brand your particular values what it is that you're trying to communicate as to who you want to be as a writer 
Yeah, I mean, like going back to the Dean Koontz thing, um, he always has a dog. There's always bad weather in his stories, uh, shockingly horrific childhoods. Um, he doesn't shy away from brutal killings. Uh, he's, you know, he's, and he's also got a conservative bent to him. If uh, some of his stories, uh, if you read them carefully, you'll realize that. Whereas Jim Butcher is known for his humor and his personal appearances back that up. He's very funny. He's very animated. He's extremely interesting and you learn a lot from him. Brandon Sanderson is almost like a, well, he is a professor. He's also animated and stuff. I mean, these folks are, um, you know, they go out and they, they actually interact with, um, you know, the readers. Hmm. And it doesn't have to be exactly who you are in real life. Like I say, when, when I speak to a lot of horror authors, you'll find that most of them are just happy, you know, they, they're, they're just people. They're just nice people that happen to write horrendous things. <laughs> and, uh, that's that's kind of the point there. If you're if you're reaching out for the readers, they don't have to see every side of you. You you find to to section off a piece that you want them to see because um, I don't know about you, John, but I know that a lot of writers they don't include their personal life or anything that goes on behind closed doors. It generally is just what their particular attitude are to writing that they show when they're when they're putting out their books and they're putting out their communications. Yeah, I'm pretty careful about that myself. <clears throat> I mean, I'll put a, I'll drop a few personal things into Facebook and stuff, but um, nothing that will lead its way back to my door as it were, you know, or get me in trouble at my day job, which I still have to have. (laughs) (laughs) That's an important part as well. Particularly like you say, if you've got a day job and you're trying to keep those two lives separate, you want to make sure that you're being cautious of potentially what you're saying. (laughs) You don't want to get the wrong kind of uh, fame. I guess I call that infamy. Yes. Do you think that people can, overdo overthink their author brand you think people can curate it too much yeah I, I do think that i mean you can overdo anything too much um one thing they should be considering in my opinion is you know they have to ask themselves is it better for me to be branding myself and doing all this extraneous stuff and tchotchke that you're sending to people and sign books and or is it better that you're writing you know there's mm-hmm. a you got to kind of balance it out yeah um, and there's there's a point where if you, if you do try and change too much or you're, you're being false and really trying to put on an act as to who you are just to try and reach those particular readers, people will sense it a mile away. You have to be authentic. There has to be a certain amount of uh, genuineness there. Yeah. Yeah. I see that a lot. Actually, you see um, our author friends, you know, every day they have a, they have a real humdinger of a question that they just sort of ask Facebook if you had a dog, what would you name it? It's like, uh, <laughs> are you just trying to kind of keep everybody engaged so that we don't forget you? <laughs> pretty no much. No offense out there to anybody who's done that. Um, it's pretty common, you know. Mm, absolutely. Um, do you have any final thoughts before we, we wrap this one up? I got some tips here. Um, oh, throw them out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, basically it's kind of what I've been saying. It's my tip is if you're worrying about branding because someone said you had to worry about branding, stop worrying about branding and just start writing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes to you after a while. I mean, I don't think that I've had a particularly strong author brand and I've been, you know, writing fiction for about five years now. Um, And it's only really been in the last six months tops that I've really started paying attention to, to where I'm going with it. So it either comes or it doesn't, you don't, you don't need it, but it, it can be beneficial. Yeah. And I think it's particularly good, you know, for like uh, nonfiction people. I mean, you got like Tony Robbins, the, the health guru, you got like Gary Tobbs, the, the uh, 
you know, the guy who does uh, science writing talks about, you know, weight gain and stuff or Sean Baker who's talking about, like I read a lot of diet type stuff and their branding, you know, is very, very strong that way. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for this episode. Thank you to John for keeping me company. And if you've got your own lessons or cautionary tales regarding author brand that you're dying to share, then you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash great writers share. Leave a comment at facebook.com slash groups slash great writers share or tag us with hashtag great writers learn. Join us next time when we'll be exploring the rights and wrongs of bad behaviors for authors. And one more time, thank you very much, John, for keeping me company and doing you. (laughs) That's what I do. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Great Writers Learn mini-series, Rights and Wrongs. If you're looking for even more content created specifically to boost your creative wealth and accelerate your author career, then head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash greatwriterssshare and get involved in the community. From all of us here over at the Great Writers Share HQ, including myself, Holly Lyon, John Crinnan and Faye Trask, have an amazing Christmas and here's to an incredible 2021. Until next time.